Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Um, it's been a few weeks since we pulled out a Song of Solomon, so I want to go back to that. Um, some key things I think he wants us to know. Um, but I'm going to go back to verse 1 just to help our memory a little bit where we were. It says, the most amazing song of all by King Solomon. Let him smother me with kisses, his spirit kiss divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink them in like the sweetest wine. Your presence releases a fragrance so pleasing over and over poured out. For your lovely name is flowing oil. No wonder the brides-to-be adore you. Draw me into your heart. We will run away together into the king's cloud-filled chamber. We will remember your love, rejoicing and delighting in you. Celebrating your every kiss is better than wine. No wonder righteousness adores you. Jerusalem maidens, in this twilight darkness, I know I'm so unworthy, so in need. His response, yet you are so lovely. Right back to her. I feel as dark and dry as the desert tents of the wandering nomads. His response, yet you are so lovely, like the fine linen, linen tapestry, tapestry hanging in the holy place. And then Shulamite to her friends, please don't stare in scorn because of my dark and sinful ways. My angry brothers quarreled with me and appointed me guardian of their ministry vineyards, yet I have not tended my vineyard within. Won't you tell me, lover of my soul, where do you feed your flock? Where do you lead your beloved ones to rest in the heat of the day? And why should I be like a veiled woman as I wander among the flocks of your shepherds? And then that's where we left off last time. We're going to pick up today verse 8. And this is his response. Listen, my radiant one. If you ever lose sight of me, just follow in my footsteps where I lead my lovers. Come with your burdens and cares. Come to the place near the sanctuary of my shepherds. Father, I pray that your word goes forth, not only in this room, but everywhere this podcast goes. Every ear that hears, God, that you touch our hearts. God, that you minister to us. God, that you awaken truth in us. Lord, every word that is spoken today, Father, I pray it be from your mouth. Holy Spirit's guidance. In any way I let my flesh get in, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guard their ears that they don't even hear it. Father, all we want is you. All we desire are you and your words. Not just your logos, but your rainbow word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So it says, listen, my radio. If you ever lose sight of me, just follow in my footsteps. In other words, don't follow this world. My lovers are going to follow who? Him. Not just him, but his what? His voice. Go with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Verse 27, I think Brent mentioned this last week, but I'll mention it again today. When I was first hearing God's voice and I was asking Him over and over, I want to hear you, I want to talk to you, I want to be able to communicate with you. And one of the first things He ever asked me to do was pick up that piece of paper, nasty, gross paper on Walmart parking lot in Winsboro. Still remember it very vividly to this day. That was years ago, my college days. So that was a long time ago, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. 
because he spoke to me that, and it was a still small voice. It wasn't loud. And as I was picking it up, I was like, all right, now what do I do with it? He said, throw it away. I was like, all right, that's it. Throw it away. I'm thinking, now, what's going to happen next? Going in Walmart thinking something's about to good happen. Nothing happens in an ordinary Walmart visit. Get back in my truck and I was like, God, I, I thought that was your voice. I'm sorry, I just thought it was. I'm sitting there going down the road and then he speaks to me again. He says, you're not going to be able to trust me or hear me in the big things if you can't trust me and hear me in the little things. And right then he began to teach me his voice. Look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 27, he says, My own sheep will hear my voice. I know each one, and they will follow me. It's something about that voice of the Lord that you will follow. When we started in Brent's house, when I left mainline, streamline church setting, when I left that setting, it was very hard. It was everything I knew. It wasn't just about... Um, a position. It was about, that was family, that was everything that I knew my whole entire life and generations before me. So it was very hard for me to say, okay, just up and leave. But in a meeting at the church, I heard the Spirit of God say, you're done. And only because of that, and then He continued to give me freshly spoken words. Not just His Logos word, but He continued to give me His rhema word throughout all that time. One time we were just sitting in Brent's house and it was my family and his family and that's it. And I was like, God, really? I was pastoring about 200 something people. It was, it was people were coming everywhere and this is now? This is it? My family, his family, that's all? He spoke to me again. If that's all I give you, will be satisfied with me. It wasn't about, it's not about ministry, it's about relationship with Him. What He's calling you to. Now, He's blessing, He is using what we're doing here. I mean, look how many children that are here this morning. You see how many kids? One of the things Brent said earlier was, you look at them in the, in the New Testament church. I mean, they're gathered around and, and they're trying to get their children to be quiet. And Jesus is like, uh-uh. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. We all want to grow in this. It is so good, parents, for your children to see you worship. Amen. For so often, we've had generations that did not see their parents worship. And now he's raising up a new generation so good for them to see you worship, for you to hear the voice of the Lord and your children to see that in you. My own sheep will hear my voice and I know each one and they will follow me. I give to them the gift of eternal life. What's eternal life? John 17, 3. Jesus said eternal life is what? Know Him. And they will never be lost and no one has the power to snatch them out of my hands. Isn't that beautiful? Because there is a lot of things that are going to try to distract you from the presence of God. And His promise is still true to this day. Don't follow after this world, but the lovers will hear His voice and they will follow Him. Notice, she is not, back in Song of Solomon, she is not allowed to draw back from the body. Now what just happened to her before? Wasn't she hurt by the church? Remember? You remember? My angry brothers quarreled with me and appointed me guard of their ministry vineyards. 
yet I didn't even get to attend to mine. And just because they hurt her, she is not allowed to draw back just because her brothers wounded her heart. To find the shepherd's resting place, she must connect to the flock that he leads. I didn't say join up to any building. That is not what I just said. There's a lot of things we call church, not church. But here he is talking about find the shepherd's resting place. She must connect to the flock that he leads. You know what the devil wants her to do? He loves isolation. He loves separation. Why? So you can grow in your bitterness, right? You can grow in depression. You can grow in anxiety, right? And we want to carry these things on our own thinking that we can't, right? And these things that have been bothering me lately, I could have easily said, I'm the pastor. I can't let nobody know that these things are bothering me. You know, the first person I went to besides my wife and my mom? That dude right there. You know what? Because I love that dude. <laughs> He's been with me when people said... That dude's crazy. He stuck by me when nobody else would stick by me. When nobody else would. And that's why I go to him. And I say, this is bothering me. And I've been trying on my own, and it's not working. But I know Scripture says that one will send a thousand a flight, but if you'll join with me, brother, we can send ten thousand a flight. And he'll say, let's do it. He never fails me any. He says, let's get after it. Just because the body hurts you doesn't give you an excuse to leave the body forever. I know what it's like. I've been hurt more by the church, quotation marks, than the world ever thought about hurting me. Ever. That is the number one place that hurt me the most. And yet I'm not allowed to isolate myself and say, okay, well, I'm just never going to give myself to anybody ever again. It was very tempting to. It was very tempting to just stay in that man's house and let's just say, don't tell nobody what we're doing. Let's just do it ourselves. It was very tempting to just stay in this house so it couldn't grow, but then you look around this room. Because I don't want to do that again. I don't want people to hurt me again. I don't want to give myself over to people and then they crush me again. It's very easy to do because you want to play it safe. Nobody wants to get hurt, right? But he does not allow her to be there because he knows that's where the enemy wants her in isolation and separation. Let me say this. If the enemy can't keep you busy with responsibilities, he wants to keep you in isolation and separation. Think about it. Those are the two things that he wants to do to the church. He either wants to keep you so busy with your responsibilities, which is how she got hurt to begin with, or He wants to keep you in isolation and separation. Neither one of those are from God. So she must stay committed to the body of Christ. So, just this last time, whenever I talked, we talked about Jesus being committed to His Word. He's also committed to His bride. Look at John 17. John 17, y'all know this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. But in John 17, look at what it says in verse 20. This is His commitment. 
And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will come, for those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be, listen to this, joined together as what? One. Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. That's inseparable. I pray for them to become one with us. Why? So that the world will recognize that you sent me for the very glory you have given to me. I have given them so that they will be joined together as one. And experience, listen to this, the same unity we enjoy. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love you have for me. Now that's some love. And he's saying what we've experienced from the very beginning before we said let there be light. We experience fellowship with one another. Face-to-face communion. That word pros in John chapter 1. Face-to-face communion. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in oneness. And he says this same oneness that we've experienced long before we even said, set the foundations of this earth. That's the same love that, that we want them to experience. Not just with us, but with one another. Right? I haven't listened to all of Dana's from, from Friday night, but um, I, I got about 30 minutes in. And one of the things I wrote it down because I knew what I was going to talk about today and it matched up perfectly. And it says in Mark chapter 4, remember we, we've talked about this before. We went through a whole series at Brent's house where we went through Mark chapter 4 talking about the parable of the seed. And remember one of those seeds, it says that they didn't have roots. So when the storms of this life came, what happened? Did they stay or did they go? They had to go. They had no root system. That word root in that parable in Mark chapter 4, by the way, in Mark chapter 4, he said, Jesus told his disciples, if you can't get this, if you can't get this parable, you can't get any other ones. So we've got to get that one first. And then when he tells them that, that word root there is familia, which means family. So they didn't have connections. They didn't have people that they considered family. It didn't say blood family. It says family. Just like I consider everybody in this room my family, right? And family knows one another. They know their struggles. They know what they're going through. And they're there to help one another. They're also there to gird one another up, right? And to, and to encourage, to edify. So one, they don't stay where they are. They want them to be successful. They want them to be continue to grow and to grow and to grow. That's what family does. And so here, um, that's what he's saying is, you've got to be rooted in family. And so speaking of that, I'm just add this side note commercial real quick. One of the things that Julie and I used to do long before we ever started this, we just had this thing, we called it the gathering. And we would just have people come over to our house just to hang out. That was it. Just to get to know you. Right, and so often we don't get to know one another, especially on Sunday mornings. We all come in, we say we we try to hide what's really going on. We smile at one another. We say, "How you doing? Good, good." And everybody sits down. Blah blah blah. Wednesday nights we do get to know a little bit 
other a little bit more. Um, it's a little bit more vulnerable setting, and, and we get to know one another, but we still don't know one another like good relationships. So one of the things that God's confirmed to us two times in the last three weeks is for us to start that back. So one of the things you'll be hearing in the next little while is starting some gatherings. This has nothing to do with, hey, let's go worship. This is part of worship, getting to know one another. Okay? It's not in a churchy, quote-unquote, little setting. It is simply, let's share a meal together. Let's get to know one another and not hide who we are. Because we have to know one another to be together as one. You see what I'm saying? And you're not going to grow as one just by coming together on Sunday morning and walking back out the door because you heard a good message. Okay? So, that's just a little sidebar that's coming soon. Then he goes to say, Song of Solomon. Back to Song of Solomon. I know we're going back and forth. We're staying with this Song of Solomon and then bringing other passages in it. Okay? But in Song of Solomon, here he goes and he says, Just follow in the footsteps where I lead my lovers. Come with your what? Burdens and cares. Come to the place near the sanctuary of my shepherds. So he says your burdens and cares. As again, as I said earlier, in this setting, we must bring our burdens and cares to one another because that's what we are there for, right? You weren't meant to do it alone. A lot of times we look at people and say, well, man, you've been coming a long time. You should know this by now. Get it together. And then I look at me and then I do something stupid. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, we do need each other. I forgot. Because <laughs> you were never meant to do it alone. You were never meant to just walk this walk alone. You are always meant to be together and do it together. That's how he designed it. It's called kingdom. Kingdom spreads. Kingdom's got seed. Kingdom develops. Kingdom produces. Right? It produces of its own kind. It's family. Right? And then he adds, near the sanctuary of my shepherds. There's an ancient proverb that says, if you wish to smell pleasant, stand near to those who sell perfume. What does that mean? Place yourself around godly leaders. Place yourself around godly people, godly leaders with, let me say this, with an open attitude. A lot of times we want to say, we already got it figured out. We already know everything. And if we do that with a closed attitude, we remain unteachable and we miss actually who we were looking for for the beginning, which was Him. He wants us to come with that open attitude, not thinking that we know everything, right? I grew up Baptist and I heard my whole life, well, we don't got it. We may not be perfect, but we're probably the closest to perfect about getting the Bible right. You're just as wrong as the next one down the street because everyone focuses on one thing instead of focusing on all of Him. And if we come with that closed-mindedness, we're not going to grow in kingdom dynamics. Right? So think back. Think back before this and all these passages of what we've talked about here before. These are the things that she's gone through. Shulamite bride. That represents you. All these things she's gone through. Shame. She had shame over her dark ways of failures. She also experienced rejection by the angry brothers. She's been overworked with religious duties and expectations. She's been distracted, which caused her garden heart to be full of weeds. 
See all that? Can you see yourself in any of that? I can. I can see I've gone through all those stages in my life. Right? Multiple times. Not just once. Right? Multiple times I felt shame. Multiple times I felt rejection. Multiple times I felt overworked with religious duties and expectations. And multiple times I've been distracted where my heart was not able to grow. Instead, it contained weeds. And every time the king, which represents Jesus, knowing all of this, still calls her beautiful and he still calls her radiant. Look at the next passage, verse 9. My, what's the first three words? My dearest one. Isn't he kind? We just sang about it. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's Romans chapter 2, verse 4. His kindness leads us to metanoia. Not repentance as in, i got to come slobbering wet down to the altar. But it says metanoia. Metanoia means to change your thinking till you think like Him. What does He think about you? He calls you beautiful. He calls you radiant. Right? That's what He's calling to you. He never, after all these things, this is over and over, and not once does He snap at her. How many people do you know here on this earth that speaks to you that way whenever you mess up. And I'm talking about the people you love the most, that are closest to you. After you mess up eventually enough, that person's going to snap on you. Anybody ever had a marriage quarrel in here? Nobody? Me and Julie, we the only ones. I'm sorry. and my fault. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes it's just over stupid stuff too, isn't it? Just stupid stuff. Sometimes very small, but maybe you did something wrong that was very small. I can't believe you did it. Right? Just a snap here and there. He never snaps. Never snaps. Instead, he says, Dearest one. You know what that means? It means lover friend. Out of all those mistakes and all the way she feels and all the things she's done, he looks at her and he's saying, my lover friend. Every time he is thrilled to see her. And you know what happens with that? These are the moments that sustain her when she's in the wilderness. You know how I know that? Because I've experienced those kind of kisses in the wilderness that sustained me. And brought me out of those things. Because I could keep going back over those things in my mind. You see, it's His love that cast out all fear. The Bible is not... You ever heard this? Basic instructions before leaving earth. You ever heard that? B-I-B-L-E. It's basic instructions before leaving earth. False. One, we're supposed to bring heaven to earth, not leave this thing and abandon it. Jesus didn't leave it and abandon it. He says, wherever I go, there you'll be. So that means He's with us right here, right now. That's why He sent the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, to be at our side. That's why He's with us. He never wanted to abandon this place. In fact, He's getting all things together, which is the bride, to bring heaven here to this earth. Right? So the Bible is not basing instructions before leaving earth. It is a love letter to show us where we got it wrong, it's 
a love letter to show us who He really is, and it's a love letter to show us who we really are and how He feels towards us. That's what it is. In fact, Luke, just a side note, Luke wrote two books in the Bible. He wrote the book of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. At the beginning of both of those, it is addressed to this person named Theophilus. You know what Theophilus means? Lover of God. And scholars debate whether he was even a real person or not, or he's just writing to us in the future to say, you lover of God. Read the first chapter of Luke chapter 1 and and Acts chapter 1. You'll see he's addressing the lovers of God. So this is a letter. This is a love letter to us, right? Jesus desires to fully capture our heart until perfect love casts out all fear. Why is that? There's some things we've got to face. If we're to bring heaven to earth, there's going to be a little bit of a, a battle, right? Have you not opened your eyes to the world lately? Not everybody receives this message. Even religious don't receive this message. Right? So you have to have perfect love so shower you with His kisses to where I'm not afraid anymore. So we all of a sudden we want to just jump into that battle. We want to join the mission field. We want to do all these things, do all these things, and we don't know perfect love. And immediately, right after that, we fall away because we were never perfected in perfect love. So we got to get this into our brains. We got to get this into our knower and experience this love that He is lavishing on us. It is something we have to experience and can't just talk about it on Sunday mornings. It is something you need to experience throughout the week. This personal relationship, this intimacy that He is asking you to be a part of. Because what we behold is what we become, right? And so as we do that, look at what He says in verse 9. My dearest one, let me tell you how I see you. You are so thrilling to me. To gaze upon you is like looking at one of Pharaoh's finest horses, a strong regal steed pulling his royal chariot. Now, some of you women probably don't want to be known as an old horse. I almost said something else, but I just say horse. <laughs> he said it, not me. Julie, that was him. I didn't say that. It's all him. So we're looking at this passage and we're like, what? Like, a horse? Like, you couldn't come up with something better than that? But in ancient poetry, has always been used, horses have always been used to show beauty and inner strength. So her strong passion to know him is like the strength of a racehorse pulling Pharaoh's chariot. Now a little bit about Pharaoh's chariots. He always had the beautiful horses, the most beautiful, right? So they were top of the line horses. Then they laden them with gold all over them. So that whenever the sun hit that gold, it would blind the enemy and they couldn't see. Right? And that's what he's comparing you to. The most beautiful prize, war horse. I looked at Alex when I said war horse because he always talking about he's an assassin. He going out. It's a beautiful war horse. 
So it's not just beautiful, but it's also strong. It's also laden with his beauty so that whenever the enemy tries to look at you, it is blinding to him because of your beauty so displayed. See, when you don't trust that you're beautiful like he says you are, when you don't trust that he says you are the radiant one, guess what? You won't walk in that confidence. Even though that's who you really are, you're not going to walk in that confidence so that the enemy can easily take you out. But when you're confident in who he says that you are, the words of the enemy just bounce right off the breastplate of righteousness. It guards you. It guards your heart. So even when we feel like a failure, what does he see us as? Strong as ever. Strong as ever. And you've got to remember that in your battles. In your battles, you feel weak. You feel lost. You feel defeated. You feel like it's never going to be any good can come out of it. But you've got to see yourself as he sees you. And he's saying, I'm seeing you totally different than what you're saying, what you're feeling, what you can see in the moment. I see you totally different. I see you as strong and I see you as radiant. Like this war horse. Now, I want you to get a picture of this war horse because it's very, very important. Go with me to Zechariah. Got to pull out the Old Testament now. Zechariah chapter... 10. My Bible is 1327, if it helps anybody. If it don't help you, do this. Zechariah chapter 10, verse... Well, actually, I think I'm going to read first three verses. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds and He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. For the idols speak delusion, the diviners envision lies and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, the people win their way like sheep. They are in trouble because there is no shepherd. Listen to this. My anger is kindled against the shepherds and I will punish the goat herds for the Lord of hosts will visit his what? His flock. The house of Judah, listen, and will make them... What's he going to make them as? Hmm? Everybody see it? His royal horse in battle. What's he making you into? What's he making you into? Royal. That's royal. That means you're coming down from the king. You're in the king lineage. Royal horse in the battle. Now go with me to Joel 2. Joel 2, verse 4. My new Bible. You got it already? Go ahead, Rick. They have the appearance of horses that gallop along like cavalry. They have the appearance of what? Horses. And like cavalry. What's, what's a cavalry? 
That's right, an army of horses. All right, so are you designed for battle? Sounds like it. And you're beautiful, but at the same time designed for battle, right? So we're designed to be that strong. But we can't be that strong unless we see ourselves as He sees us. Most of the time we see ourselves as weak. Remember last time I talked, we talked about Him being committed to His Word. And we looked at the Israelites and they went around and around and around and around that mountain for 40 years, never believing who God says that they really were. They said, except they says, we see ourselves as grasshoppers. It was how they viewed themselves. And so did they walk into the promised land? No, they didn't because of their view was wrong. They did not see themselves as God saw themselves. Now go to Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 13. Behold, he shall come up like clouds. This is speaking prophecy in days. Say it again. Behold, he shall come up like clouds and his chariots like whirlwind. Listen. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us, for we are plundered. Sounds like we'll be coming with him, right? Where heaven invades earth. There is a time coming where it talks about the bridegroom and the groom on a wedding day. Does it not? And it talks about heaven coming to earth. It talks about New Jerusalem, which you are the New Jerusalem, coming down into this place. Right? Now... Take all that of what we've looked at and all these passages are prophetic passages to these last days, the latter rain, what we read first in Zechariah, talking about that latter day rain, and all these combinations and thinking about He sees you as this warring horse. Okay? Now go with me to Revelation chapter 19. Well, you know all this was in Song of Solomon, did you? Revelation 19, again, these latter days. I'm actually, I want to get on to the middle, but I just think you need to hear some of this at the beginning. So let's just start at verse 1. After this I heard what seemed to be the roar of a great multitude of voices saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power to our God. All His judgments are right and true for He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her sexual immorality and He has avenged on her the blood of His loving servants. And again they shouted, Hallelujah, the smoke from her destruction goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell face down, worshiped God, who sits on the throne saying in agreement, Amen, Hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you His loving servants, and all who reverence and honor Him, those who are lowly and those who are great. And then I heard what seemed to be the thunderous voice of a great multitude, like the sound of a massive waterfall and mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt Him and give Him glory, because the wedding celebration of the Lamb has come and his bride listen to this 
has made herself ready. When is this day going to be? When is the great celebration and this wedding going to be? When the bride finally made herself ready. When is she going to be ready? When she finally sees herself as he sees her. This whole time, and we're only in chapter 1 of Song of Solomon, and over and over and over, she can't get it. Guess who this represents? The Word of God said that represents you. It represents me. We can't seem to get it here how He really sees us. This is how He sees us. And this bride made herself ready. Now listen to this. Fine linen, shining bright and clear, has been given to her to wear, and the fine linen represents the righteous deeds of holy believers. Now, she is covered in what? His clothes, which is fine linen, which is what? His righteousness. That's who you are. For He became sin who knew no sin that you might become the righteousness of God. These are your clothes. These is what you've been given. You walk in this white. Now, hold that thought. What you look like dressed in all this radiant glory. Listen how it comes in in just a minute. Then the angel said to me, Write these words. Wonderfully blessed are those who are invited to feast at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. At this, I fell face down at the angel's feet to worship him. But he stopped me and said, Don't do this. For I'm only a fellow servant with you. And one of your brothers who clings to what Jesus testifies. Worship God. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And then I saw heaven open. And listen to this. Some of you are already shaking your head because you already seen it. And I saw heaven open and suddenly a white horse appeared. Who are you? The name of the one writing it was faithful and true. But we are one together. And with pure righteousness, he judges and rides to battle. Listen to this. He wore many regal crowns, and his eyes were flashing like flames of fire. He had a secret name inscribed on him that's known only to himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title is called the Word of God. Listen to this. Remember those clothes we had earlier in about five verses before this? Following him on white horses were the armies of heaven wearing white, fine linen, pure and bright. A sharp sword came from his mouth which to, with, with which to conquer the nations. He will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will trample out the wine and the wine presses of the wrath of God on his robe and on his thigh. He had inscribed a name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're doing this together. So long we've been taught. He's going to snatch you out. He's going to come do the work for you. And then whenever he's done, then he'll bring you back down. I can show you several passages when Jesus was still on the earth in the book of John and on throughout Acts and everything else that shows us in 1 Peter tells us He's waiting on you. And when the bride has made herself ready, we're coming together as one. To do what? To us. Don't get all of this wrath and all this kind of stuff boggled down in your mind right here. We can explain that another day.
what I need you to get today is to realize you are coming together as one whenever you finally realize who you really are in Him and have agreed with the love that He is lavishing on you and let perfect love cast out all fear. We're coming together as one to establish His kingdom here on this earth together. He's not doing it away from each other. Alex was talking about that the other day. He says, show me. Show me in Scripture where God tried to do something away from His people. Even in the Old Testament. He always used His people. Why? Because that's how committed He is to us. John 17, that we are one. Just as me and the Father are one, so are you. That's what He's wanting for all of us to be banned together. One of the things about the redwood forest. Y'all been? No? Ever been? Anybody been to the redwoods? Good. We can all take a trip. Y'all ready? Because I want to go. To say the, the greatness of those things that keeps them so alive and gigantic is their root structure. The root structure is connected all to one. It's all one. All one root structure. They're connected. And the beautiful thing about us and Him is we are connected with Him, which makes us connected to one another. To do a beautiful thing. And God's awakening us to dream big. To dream beyond Brent's living room. To dream beyond community center. The nations. He wants. We went to the ramp a few weeks ago. Take the kids to kids ramp. The place looked like Mangum, Louisiana. Just a little old town. The ramp reaches nations. The ramp is heard around the world. When we drove up, I said, this is it. I was expecting like, because they're so well known, I was expecting like, we're going to be in some big city. Never even heard of the town. And it looked like you ain't never heard of the town. And I looked at Eli, I looked at, at them, Eli wasn't with us. I looked at them and I said, you know what this says to me? If God can read the nation from here, He can read the nation from Mangum, Louisiana. It's trying, time to dream with God. Not dream your dreams, but dream with God dreams. You're bold. You're beautiful. You're a warrior. And He's ready. Armed you for battle. To conquer. But also to love. It's through knowing His love that you're going to be able to do that. So just close your eyes for a minute. I just want you to picture. We sang several songs today about running. I just want you to picture in the story of the prodigal son as he picks up his robe and takes off running towards his son. When they meet 
and all his filth and all his stink. The father just sugars him up. I mean, kisses all over him. And the son is probably wondering, why would he do that when I smell so bad and so dirty? I declare to you today, no matter how you came in this building, no matter how you feel where you're listening to this podcast, Father wants to lavish his kisses on. Just open yourself and receive. I know you don't understand it. He didn't ask you to understand it, he asked you to receive it. Maybe this morning, you just need to join with some somebody. As I said, I want to send a thousand a flight. Two together will send ten thousand a flight. You're gonna lay your burdens down with a friend in this room, and so you stand in agreement with me today. There's some things I'm dealing with. I want you to stand with me. That's you. Won't you just raise your hand? Somebody come to you. Maybe you just don't see yourself like he sees you. And you want to. You really do. But every time you just can't get past what you've done, you can't get past what you've always thought about you, you can't get past what other people have always said about you. Maybe you got a spouse that's always talked bad about you. Maybe you had a parent that always looked down upon you. It's just hard for you to receive this love. You just want somebody to stand with you and just pray. So let's just stand. If any of those are you, don't hesitate. But if any of those are not you, I just want you to stand there and receive His love. I want you to picture that you are that son running. That He is running to you. And Him embracing you. I just want you to picture that for a minute. And receive it. Receive His kisses. His divine embrace. 